This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. The summer before my sophomore year in high school, one of my friends came over to the house and it was, it was the first time he came to my house and, and he came unannounced, right? And, and I'm in the house and while I'm in the house, I can hear someone yelling out my name over and over again. I'm like, what is it with this, right? And, and so I, I go outside to try to find where this voice is. I'm out in the front yard and there's my friend riding on his bicycle in the middle of the street, going around and around in circle, calling out my name. When I get out there, he goes, do you want to play basketball? And I said, sure, come on in. I've got to get my shoes. And he asks, can I come in? You see, my, my friend is black and, well, I'm white <laughs> And somewhere along the way, he had been taught, he had been told that it was not a good idea for a black teenager to go up to a white person's house and ring the doorbell, let alone go inside. I assured him, yeah, it's okay for you to come in. And, and so he does, but I'll be honest too, he was pretty sheepish about it. And, and right as we walk in, there's my mom. And I introduce the two, and and my mom blows my friend away. She asks him, what can I get you to drink? You see, that, that blew him away because then he understood for sure he was welcome. He was accepted. But long before the COVID-19 pandemic came about, there was a world crisis going on. Any number of people knew about this crisis of racism, and they were so confused because so few people were doing anything about it. And and others of us knew about this crisis of racism, but we didn't think it was that big because it, it really wasn't a part of what was in our hearts. We didn't understand how even just a, a little bit of racism was hurting a whole lot of people. And now, even today, in the middle of this world crisis of racism, there are people who think that that hatred and and separation and and racism is their right. Okay, So, as Pastor Ben said, we're just going to stop the series that we were in. We're just going to put it on the side today, and we're going to listen to God. Okay, and we're just going to listen to what he says about race, racism, and look at some steps going forward. So let's go and begin back at creation. Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So the first thing we see is that the triune God made us, made man. Kind, okay? 
And as we look at it, and, we, and Pastor Ben read Psalm 139, we see that we're made wonderful and magnificent. We're made crazy good. Our bodies are miraculous. The American Heart Association tells us that the average person's heart beats 2.6 billion times over the course of their life. Okay? We don't tell our heart to beat. You know, the heart's not waiting for us to, to sell it to go. It, it just does it all on its own. That's how God made it 2.6 billion times on average for the human being. Uh, another way that explains this is our eyes. Our eyes are able to differentiate between 10 million hues, and they're made up of 2 million parts. All that to say that creativity and the wisdom of which God, the creator, made us, made mankind. And that goes for all people, right? No matter what the pigment is of a person's skin. God made us. He made mankind. And the second thing that we learn is that he made mankind, us, in his image. Okay? And practically speaking, what that means for you and me is that every one of us has an eternal soul. Practically for our first parents, Adam and Eve, what that meant was they were made and they had the righteousness and holiness the same as God. It barreled into their emotions and their feelings. They had complete harmony with God. They were without sin. And so as, as we look at this, just this opening section of Genesis, we see that God made mankind with value and significance that is beyond comprehension. No matter what country they live in, no matter what a person's abilities are or are not, no matter what their skin color is, they have a value and significance that is beyond comprehension. That's the Christian worldview, okay? And it's kind of radical. Not everybody has that same worldview. This is what James Emery White says. He says, but the Christian worldview holds that because we were created by God, there is value, meaning, and purpose to every single life. And it also means that we have one who stands over it as authority in defense of the value of every person. God created us not only with value and significance, but with diversity. Right away we learn God, God made them male and female, okay? Men and women, diversity. As we consider the population of the world, somewhere around seven and a half billion people, no one has the exact same fingerprints that you do. Diversity, seven and a half billion, not a one that equals up to yours. It's the same with our irises as well. No one has the same color, the same texture, the same pattern of iris as you do. You are unique. You are a one-of-a-kind, unique, valuable, significant person to God, as is every other person as well. 
Some of us grew up learning this song that says, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They're precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. As we drill down a a little bit deeper into Genesis and, and we see God creating our first parents, God did not create races. He created the human race. And that truth is reiterated in the New Testament as well. In Acts chapter 17, it says, from one man, he made all the nations, okay? From one man, he made all the nations. More of scripture says the exact same thing. In Acts 10, it says, then Peter began to speak. He said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right in our diversity, As expansive as that is in our diversity, we have unity in Christ. Galatians chapter three says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So good. So how did we end up in this mess that we're in today? The scriptures tell us. Scripture's just really straightforward with us. Very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter three. On the second or third page of your Bible, it tells us what happened, how we got into this mess. It tells us about the fall into sin. When our first parents fell into sin, they shattered their relationship with God. Just like if you and I were to drop a a crystal glass onto a concrete floor and it would just splinter all over. When they fell into sin, they were no longer in harmony with God. And so now here we are with sin. There is disharmony, distrust, and hate. And this is what you know, right? You know this, racism undermines. Racism tears apart. Racism ruins the very nature of God's creation. Racism is evil. Racism devalues people. Racism at its best is murder in the heart. You see, racism is much more than a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue. Galatians chapter five says this, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Racism is is on display in our world, individually and 
institutionally. And recognizing that we need to make institutional changes, understand those institutional changes will only go so far, will only matter so much to the degree that we make the change individually on the inside. See, I, I don't know if you know of anybody. I, I really don't. I don't know. And I know they're there, though, or I've heard they're there, that, that slavery was a good idea. I don't think, you know, that's just way out there, whatever. But what I'm talking about is implicit biases that we have based on false assumptions uh, about a person's skin color, about their name, or about situations and circumstances that happen in life. Okay, so for example, let's say you're in charge of a a company's HR um, unit, and it's time to hire someone. And you make your way through all the resumes, and you end up with four. And these four resumes are outstanding. You really can't distinguish them one from another in any way other than their names. And so you look at their names. And, and by looking at their names, you're, you're you know, placing a value. To, will they add value to it? Do the, does, by this name, does it look like uh, they'll be able to work together? Let's say the names are John and Jeff and, and Charles and Snowden. You know, it, it, are they going to be able to work? Is, is John going to be able to work? Is everybody Snowden going to be able to work? You know, and we start making these value judgments based on names. And so you, you may not have a racist bone in your body, you may not think that your heart has any racism at all, but if, if that's you, if you're trying to distinguish uh, on the value, the worth of someone just simply based on their name, that's, that's racist. It's implicit bias. And just for the record, just kind of a double check to uh, John, Jeff, Charles, and Snowden, they're, they're all my friends, and they're all black. Implicit bias. I, I know that this is a part of our country. I don't know that it's necessarily a, a part of right where we're at right now. But, but I've heard this. I, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with white people and, and I don't have a problem with black people. I, I just don't think they should date, let alone get married. I don't know where you're at on that, but did you know Moses? Uh, Moses, the, the guy who got the Ten Commandments from God. Moses, the one who led the children of Israel through the wilderness right up to the brink of the promised land. Moses married a woman from a different nation. Did you know that? Moses' brother, Aaron, and his sister, Miriam, they went all ballistic on Moses. What are you doing? What were you thinking? How could you do that? And God calls the three of them together for a talk. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 15, and you can see God's reaction uh, to that whole scenario, but I'll give you a little spoiler alert on it. Uh, Miriam leaves that conversation with leprosy. That was in the Old Testament. What about in the New Testament? Okay, 15 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 15 years after that, Peter, that disciple of Jesus, who had heard it all and seen it all, who had been reinstated to be one of Jesus' disciples, that Peter, 15 years after the resurrection, still didn't like Gentiles. (laughs) 
No, I'm not going there, right? So Peter's reading his Bible. He's praying. He's got his his cup of coffee. He's in his quiet time, and, and God interrupts it and says, Peter, I need you to go to Cornelius' house, a Gentile's house, and share Jesus with him and everyone who's there. Peter's like, I don't go into their homes, and they don't go into my home. But it was God, right? And so let's see what happened. Peter makes his way while talking with him. Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Now imagine the the difference attitude makes, right? As Peter walks into Cornelius' house, the large gathering of people are there. If he's kind of like holding his breath, you know, so that no Gentile germs get on him, you know? Um, And he says this with a not-so-good attitude. He said to them, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. In other words, up to this moment, uh, I thought you are impure and unclean. Imagine the response of Cornelius and all the, the other Gentiles there. Wow, I feel so much better now, you know, shaking their heads. You mean God had to tell you we weren't impure and unclean? Really? Yeah. And I get it that God told you that, but I don't know that you believe that because you certainly haven't been acting that your entire life. But imagine that, that same scenario. But Peter comes in humility and repentance. And so he emphasizes some different words. He says, you're, you're well aware that's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Makes a big difference. As we look back at the early Christian church, if there was ever an opportunity for division, it was then. There were five main groups of people there. One was the Jews, and the Jews thought they were better than everybody else. Okay, they did. Then there were the Gentiles, and the Gentiles knew that the Jews thought that they were better than everybody else. There were the freedmen who earned their freedom from slavery either by working off their debts or their good behavior, but people would look at them and go, yeah, you know, I I don't know what got you to be a slave or whatever, but there's something about your past. I don't know if you're trustworthy, okay? There's something. You got there for one reason or another, right? And then there were the slaves, And then in this culture, that culture back then, there were women who had no rights. So how did that diverse group come together? How did they keep from blowing up the early Christian church? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus' love. Because of Jesus' forgiveness. You see, Jesus' redemption 
brings unity to all people. So here's a lot of what's going on in our world today. People hate other people because they fear them. They fear other people because they don't know them. You see, relationships are key. Relationships hardly ever happen overnight, right? They happen through common and shared experiences. So your first step is to talk and listen. And I know that there are a a lot of white people out there that that are concerned about saying the wrong thing. I'm one of them too sometimes, right? Because you don't want to do that. Not sure what to say. But I want you to know, one of the most difficult things that can happen in a person's life is when a friend remains silent. Imagine if you were in a group of people and you were getting picked on for one reason or another, being accused, whatever, and your friends are right there and they remain silent. If you don't know what to say, just ask. Ask in humility. And as you're in that conversation, keep in mind how God made us. Remember, he made us with two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. You see, we can go a lot further talking together than we ever will never talking to each other. Okay? So meet in the middle and look up to the cross. Okay? Meet in the middle and look up to the cross. You see, we need to see, we need to really grab on to Jesus shedding his blood for us and for all people. We need that on our minds so that it can go to our hearts and to our hands. So meet in the middle and look up to the cross. See, it's only only in the church are we taught that we are made in the image of God. And so God says, you can't mistreat my children and think you're okay with me. I can't mistreat you and think that I'm okay with God and you can't mistreat me and think you're okay with God either. Only in the Christian religion do we see God loving people so much that he was willing to die for them, forgiving them all of their wickedness, rebellion, and sin, all of it, out of love. That's the Christian message. That's the message that you and I have. What you and I don't have is an excuse. So today, and actually every day, ask this question, what does love require of me? Let's pray. Lord God, as as we come before you today, we're now cognizant (laughs) of something that was there for the longest time anyway, racism. 
Lord God, each one of us in, in one way or another needs forgiveness. The, the good news of Christianity is, is that Jesus Christ covers every situation, every experience, every generation. The good news of Christianity is, in addition to that forgiveness and that love of God, that you give us the power to make steps forward, to become more and more like you. Lord God, I, I pray that for me and for everyone, that in every day and every situation that we're in, we look at you on the cross and see your great love for us and for all people. And into the situation that we're in, ask, what does love require of me? And then, Lord, give us the love and the strength to do that, just like you did for us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.